when Jesus died on the cross, Satan thought he had succeeded. He stung an innocent man. And you can't kill somebody in whom there is no sin. Because only by sin comes death. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas, Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. There is no greater moment in the history of the world than the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Hi, and welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thanks for joining us. Today we're continuing the series, Mercy Triumphs, with our final message, The Resurrection. You know, nobody believed Jesus when he repeatedly predicted his own resurrection from the grave. Even his own disciples were unclear what he meant and didn't believe it once it happened. But Jesus did indeed rise from the dead, and when he did, the world was changed forever. I can't wait to share this final message in our Mercy Triumphs Easter series, so grab your Bible and follow along as I share part two of the message, The Resurrection. Death was the price they paid for disobeying God. Seven times in chapter 5 of Genesis, God punctuates the end of somebody's life with three somber words, and he died. It says Adam lived 930 years, and he died. Holy Spirit put this in here. Holy Spirit inspired the Bible. Holy Spirit wants us to know that Satan lied and mankind died. Look at this. Adam lived 930 years, and he died. Seth lived 912 years, and he died. Enosh lived 905 years, and he died. Canaan lived 840 years, and he died. And if you track the Bible, you'll see that man's lifespan grew shorter and shorter until in the Psalms we hear David talking about getting your three score and ten or 70 years. The human race immediately went into decline spiritually, physically, Sin worked its curse, and death took over. Paul the Apostle in the New Testament weighs in on this with the same conclusion. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, In Adam all have died. You, me, all of us. Romans 5.12, Through one man sin entered the world, and death through sin. And thus death spread to all men. I'm going to read it again. Death spread to all men. Because all have sinned, and the stinger of sin is death. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all turned aside. We've all gone our own way. And the Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. All of us. Death is the number one consequence for sin. Sin has brought death to the entire human race, physical and spiritual. If you don't know Jesus today, you're spiritually dead. You're dead. And one day your body will die because of sin. Paul illustrates this in 1 Corinthians 15, 55 by telling us that sin is like a bumblebee that has a stinger. And sin's stinger is death. Listen to what he writes. The sting of death 
is sin. So that when we sin, it's got a stinger attached to it. And the stinger brings death. Spiritually, physically. Overnight, death became the number one gun in the devil's arsenal against mankind. Not only did man begin to die and spiritually was born dead, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But through death, Satan brought the entire human race into great fear and great bondage. It says in Hebrews 2.15, describes the human race as those who, through fear of death, have been living all their lives as slaves to constant dread. Nobody wants to die. We're afraid of dying. Death is what everybody tries to avoid. Scientists looking today for the fountain of life, the elixir that will help us to never die, but they're never going to find it because there's only one way to eternal life. And it's through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Death is that distant specter drawing ever closer the older we get. It's the grim reaper that inevitably knocks on everyone's door and nobody avoids it. Death has a 100% success rate. Amen. Give me 10 people, I'll show you 10 people who are going to die. Jesus said... This is the will of Him that sent me, that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life, and I will raise Him up from the dead on the last day. Reflecting on His Father's death, actor Bradley Cooper told a magazine editor, quote, All of a sudden I was like, Oh, right, I'm going to die too. Here it is. It's not in a book. It's not in a movie. Is somebody you love dying in front of you? I was like, okay, this is death, and this is going to happen to me one day. Right, Bradley? You're right. Now, here's what Easter is all about. Jesus came to restore what was lost in the garden. Can I say it again? Jesus came to restore what was lost in the garden. And what was lost in the garden? Our relationship with God was lost. And when that was lost, we died. And so we lost our relationship and we lost our eternal life. And Jesus came to restore eternal life and relationship with God. That's why He came. And that's why He talked so much about this issue of death and its opposite, eternal life. I'm going to read it again. Jesus said, this is the will of Him that sent me that everyone which sees the Son and believes on Him may have everlasting life. Now listen to this. I will raise Him up from the dead at the last day. Now I've got to say something here. All these people that go around saying, you can go to a college campus and say, tell me what you think about Jesus. Oh, He was a good teacher. He was a good speaker. He was an inspirational personality. You know, he went tiptoeing through the religious tulips and left a good imprint on the human race. And he's one of many, several great religious historical leaders. But can I tell you that Jesus' words don't let you come to that conclusion. You can't read what he said and say, well, he was just a good teacher. Because, listen, he was either a psychopathic lunatic who was extremely deluded. I mean, come on. He who believes on me will have everlasting life, and I'm going to raise him up out of the grave at the last day? That's not just a good teacher. That's not just a good spiritual leader. That's just not a historical, inspirational leader or personality. 
That's either a lunatic, heavily deluded, or it is God wrapped in skin. He is God wrapped in skin. He is God wrapped in flesh speaking to us. When speaking to the two sisters, Mary and Martha, Jesus promised, I'm the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even if he dies. What? If I just believe in you, even though I die, I'm coming out of the grave one day to you? Not just a good speaker, not just an inspirational leader, but very God come to earth on a rescue mission to rescue us from sin and its consequences and deliver us from death. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. So what Jesus came to do was undo what sin had absolutely done. And that meant defeating death and restoring eternal life to humanity. That's why Jesus came. He came to take the stinger out of the bumblebee of death. This is why everything was riding on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Listen carefully. Everything was riding on whether or not he got up out of that tomb. If Jesus didn't rise, here's what it came down to. All of his words... All of his promises, all of his credibility were gone. You know why? Because Jesus over and over told the crowds that were listening to him and his disciples when they were alone, I'm going to rise from the dead. Listen to what Jesus said and tell me he was just a normal inspirational personality like many others. It says, from then on, Jesus began to speak plainly to his disciples about going to Jerusalem and what would happen to him there, that he would suffer at the hands of the Jewish leaders, that he would be killed and that three days later, he would be raised to life again. Yeah. Jesus said that. One chapter later in Matthew 17, it says, One day while they were still in Galilee, Jesus told them, I'm going to be betrayed into the power of those who will kill me. And on the third day afterwards, I will be brought back to life again. Plain as day. His enemies heard him say this. His followers heard him say this. The whole world knew that he had said this. Three chapters later, here he goes again. And they will hand me over to the Roman government. And I will be mocked and crucified. And the third day, I will rise to life again. I'm going to be dead and I'm coming out of the grave. Plain as day, that's what Jesus said. What do you do with that? What do you do with that? This isn't Buddha. This isn't Muhammad. This is not some other religious leader talking. This is Jesus. He said, they're going to kill me, and I'm going to get up again. I'm going to come back from the dead. Yes. Lunatic or Lord? Yes. Think about it. Some of you watching right now by streaming video, think about it there in your living room. You can't push Jesus aside and just say, oh, well, I really appreciate everything he left for us. You know, that great teaching, that Sermon on the Mount, love one another and all that, all that warm and fuzzy stuff. No, this is a man who said, I'm going to get up again. I'm going to rise from the dead. You're not going to be able to keep me down. As they say, you can't keep a good man down. You can't keep the Christ down. Now, 
These predictions were so well known that the Romans took incredible care to guard the tomb. Let somebody come by night and steal his body away and say, well, he rose from the dead. And then they would have to suffer at the hands of what they would have considered a myth. So Pontius Pilate, who also ordered his crucifixion, told the authorities under him, make the tomb secure, sealing the stone, and post a guard. We're not going to have any shenanigans going on around the grave of Jesus. So they sealed the stone with the Roman insignia, and they placed a guard of soldiers. We would better understand guard as squad. A squad or a guard of soldiers was 30 to 50 men. Can you imagine this? 30 to 50 men around a tomb. 30 to 50 men around a tomb. A gigantic boulder was rolled over the tomb. We know that it was huge because the women who went the third day, Mary, his mother, and Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had cast seven devils, and a couple of other women were going to the tomb to anoint him for burial, and they said, who will roll away this giant stone for us? We're not going to be able to get to him. It was a huge boulder. The grave was cut into the side of a mountain of rock. It was made of rock. It had been prepared for a rich man, Joseph of Arimathea, who came to believe on Jesus and gave up his own grave, figuring once he believed in Jesus, he wouldn't need it anyway. <laughs> and they put him in there and they rolled this stone over it. Can you imagine if you could have been there? If I had a time machine, it's the first place I'd go back, right there the third morning with 50 soldiers or so around this tomb, this great big boulder over it, the Roman insignia on it, and they're doing everything they can to keep him in there. But you cannot keep God from doing what God is going to do. You can't do it. And let me tell you, you think you can run from God, he'll find you. When you arrive, he's already there waiting for you. You can't run from God. You can't hide from God. You can't keep God out. And so the Bible says that because it was ordained of God that Christ would rise from the dead, the only way to describe what happened, because I was thinking, you know, Jeff, you like words. Think of words to describe this. And I decided you can't describe the indescribable. You cannot comprehend the incomprehensible. We can only tell what the Bible tells us happened. The only way to describe what happened is pure miracle, pure miracle. Scientists can't explain it. Philosophers can't understand it. Logic won't solve it. History can't erase it. It happened on that third morning. You know, I've tried to imagine because I've been in that tomb. I crawled in alone when I went to Jerusalem. I let my little party that I was with go ahead of me, and I kind of dropped back, and I cheated a little bit, and I crawled into the tomb alone and sat there. I pictured a stone being rolled over it, and with a stone rolled over it, you would have had no light at all, none. You could have sat in there for a week, and your eyes would not have adjusted. It was total darkness, and in there lay the body, as dead as dead ever was, the body of Jesus, taken from the tomb to be sure that he was dead, they thrust his side through with a sword and blood and water came running out. They tested him to make sure that he was dead. Pilate was amazed that he was dead so soon. They took 
the limp, dead body of Jesus down and put it in that tomb, wrapped him in grave clothes, laid him in there, and rolled that stone over. And sometime the third morning in the pitch black, right before the sun rose, the power of God moved into that tomb just crept into that tomb, filled that tomb. And the Son of God, who had not breathed in three days and three nights, sucked in His first breath in that long. And I believe when He breathed that first breath that hell had a heart attack. I do. I really do. Because you see... Satan thought, now I've gotten rid of this troublemaker because the Bible says the Son of God was manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And the devil was sick and tired of his works being destroyed by the one who went about everywhere doing good, healing the sick, raising the dead, walking on water, multiplying bread and fishes, doing all these miracles and undoing and setting the captives free. So he thought he had him. He thought he had him. Peter told some religious leaders later on, and you killed the author of life. But God brought him back to life again. And John and I are witnesses of this fact. For after you killed him, we saw him alive. Jesus got up from the dead. He stood up in that dark tomb. He unraveled those grave clothes in that dark tomb. What I love about it is he was neat. He folded his grave clothes and put them in a corner. He was not a messy man. Never have I said that before. <laughs> he folded them, put them nicely in the corner, and then an angel rolled that stone away, not to let him out, but to let us in so we could see that he had risen from the dead. Now, here's where I'm going with this whole message. When Jesus arose, the power of death was broken, and eternal life was restored to those who believe on him. Here we go. Death died in A.D. 33. Well, Jeff, people still die. Yes. But Jesus said, he that believes on me, though he dies, he will yet live. Because the day is going to come, the trump is going to blow. And the Bible says, the dead in Christ will rise first. And those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. You see, even though you die, you will not be dead forever. You will be resurrected just like Jesus was resurrected. He's the first of many to be raised from the dead. That's the message of the Bible. Back to the bee sting for a minute. When honeybees sting, it's their last act. It's over for them. Because when they sting, they leave the stinger and the victim. And with that stinger, they leave their abdomen, they leave their digestive tract, and they leave muscles and nerves. It's a massive abdominal rupture that kills the bee shortly after it stings you. So stinging you is its final hurrah. It will never sting again. It will die. In the same way, when Jesus died on the cross, Satan thought he had succeeded. He stung him. He stung Jesus. He stung him, but here's the problem. Jesus had never sinned. That's the problem. Because the Bible says, He made him who knew no sin 
to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And the Bible says He was tempted in all points, yet as we are, yet without sin. He lived a sinless life. So when the devil stung him, he stung an innocent man. And you can't kill somebody in whom there is no sin because only by sin comes death. So when he stung Jesus, he committed suicide. The Bible says Jesus became flesh and blood by being born in human form. For only as a human being could he die and in dying break the power of the devil who had the power of death. That's why the Apostle Paul wrote, O grave, where is your victory? And death, where is your sting? Because death left its stinger in Jesus. Like a bee leaves its stinger in its victim. And the Bible says he tasted death for every one of us. He died in our place. He tasted death for every one of us. A bumblebee without its stinger still looks like a bumblebee. Still looks scary. You might run from it, but he can't hurt you because the stinger is gone. Right now, the stinger of death remains in Jesus. When doubting Thomas came up to him, doubting him. I don't believe. Jesus said, put your hand in my side and put your finger in the holes in my hand. Because see, Thomas, that's where death stung me. That's where death stung me. I want you to know, Thomas, you're looking at the one who did die, but I'm alive from the dead. I died in your place, but I'm alive from the dead. And now that I've been stung, you don't have to be stung. Now that I've died in your place, you don't have to eternally perish. That's what Easter is all about. Thank God Jesus rose from the dead. And what a different world we'd be living in without that history-changing event. In just a moment, our announcer is going to be coming on to share some wonderful opportunities for all of our Life Talk listeners. But before he does, I want to take a moment to thank you for all your prayers and support. The Life Talk radio outreach is all about one thing, reaching the multitudes with the life-changing Word of God. And we just can't do it without your support. Many of you listen in. Many of you listen in each and every day and are blessed by the Word of God. And you know, we'd love to hear from you, either by social media or a card or a letter. Your testimonies of how Life Talk has helped you in your walk really do make our day. So drop us a note and let us know your story. And join me next time as we begin a brand new series entitled, First, Keeping the Main Thing the Main Thing. Until then, may God bless you richly is my prayer. you can bring Pastor Jeff Wickwire and Life Talk right into your home, your car, or wherever you may be to lead you on the exciting journey of building up your Christian walk in faith, hope, and love. For a gift of any size to Life Talk, Pastor Jeff will send you a CD collection of some of his most anointed and inspiring teaching series. 
These CDs will strengthen your faith and build your understanding of what Christ Jesus did for you at the cross. You will begin to understand just how much our Heavenly Father loves you and the whole world. So call now, toll-free, 877-884-3111, or just log on anytime, day or night, to lifetalk.tv. Listen to Pastor Jeff's hope-filled CDs again and again, or give them to family members or friends as a gift. Don't wait. Call 877-884-3111 right now or log on anytime to lifetalk.tv and give your best gift today. The Resurrection, the fourth message of Pastor Jeff's series, Mercy Triumphs. You can own a copy of this four-CD set for just $20 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, Mercy Triumphs, for only $20 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Music.